0: We kept talking about what if we were buying this home in Chattanooga and now all of a sudden we're not going to be van lifers and we just thought that was sort of the end. Like
1: nobody cares about us anymore. Welcome to the Passion to Brand Podcast, where we have real conversations with real people who have turned their passions to digital brands. I'm Brett.
2: And I'm Logan. On today's episode, how Chris and Sarah turned their passion for travel into the well-known digital brand, Chris and Sarah, formerly known as Let's Be Us.
1: I remember back in late 2018, I was sitting in my cubicle as an entry-level accountant dreaming of what it would be like to travel full-time. Naturally, I went to YouTube and typed full-time travel into the search bar. I remember coming across Chris and Sarah's channel, which at the time was called Let's Be Us. At that time, they were living out of their self-converted Sprinter van, traveling the U.S. For the next year, Logan and I would consistently tune in to their next release, eager to see where they went next. Needless to say, we were pretty stoked for this opportunity to hang out with Chris and Sarah and hear more of their story.
3: I grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I was one of three girls, and it was a very loud household.
1: Mm, (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it was
3: great. My sisters were my best friends and still are. For not having brothers, we were very much tomboys. We ran around and lived on a small farm and spent most of our days outside, which was awesome. (laughs) So I think that's probably right alongside the childhood memories that stand out the most as far as just being outdoors all the time. My parents taking us camping for the first time and you know, it was the coldest day of the year. We went camping, but somehow I still absolutely loved that memory of just being outside and being slower. And I feel like a lot of my childhood was formed by the outdoors, if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. I think that stuck with me my whole life is just having that passion for adventure.
1: That's awesome. What about you, Chris? I grew up
0: in Kentucky in a small town
1: called
0: (laughs) called Versailles. It's spelled like Versailles, France, but it's Mm -hmm. pronounced Versailles. And growing up there, I love Kentucky, but I always just kind of wanted more than Kentucky and being in a small town, I wanted to be able to to go to different places and experience new things. And I remember my grandmother, which I called her Mammal because we're, you know, we live in Kentucky, so my Um, (laughs) my Mammal gave me a cassette tape of an artist called Stephen Curtis Chapman. And she said, he's from Kentucky. And I remember looking at that cassette tape and I was like, if he's from Kentucky and he got out of here, so can I. (laughs) And um, and so, yeah, I, I say that not because I hate Kentucky, but it inspired me to create things and do things more than just being in a small town and experience new things. Does that make sense?
1: So. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Steve yeah. okay. yeah. 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 and Stephen Curry Chapman was like one of the first concerts I actually went to. In yeah, which is nuts. Stephen yeah. Kirst, I actually haven't heard that name probably Never. since that concert. Well, and he had this <laughs> awful, awful
0: rap song on that cassette tape. Like it's oh, no. like he's trying to rap. And I remember I played it for my mammal, and she said I. She kicked me out of the house. She's like, "You can't listen to that." But she was the one who
1: bought it for me. So, <laughs> come out. on, mammal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, on mammal. <laughs> That's awesome, Chris. We could probably spend like the whole rest of this episode talking about Kentucky. Obviously, Logan and I growing up in Kentucky. You know, not to beat uh, beat a dead horse. Um, do you like horses? <laughs> Oh my gosh, don't ask that. (laughs) I absolutely despise
0: horses. Oh no. Growing up in Kentucky, like you'd have the five o'clock news would come on and there'd be like a ten-car pile up, but that would be secondary if a horse died. So they would stop everything <laughs> and just, yeah. So I'm just not a huge fan of horses. Oh, at all. it's <laughs> kind
2: of refreshing to meet someone from Lexington area yeah.
3: that doesn't like horses because everyone yeah. like loves horses. Yeah. <laughs> not Chris. No, no. <laughs> it's Sorry. like this ongoing joke with everybody. Chris does not like <laughs> horses, but he's from Kentucky. That's,
1: yeah, <laughs> so. Let's talk about the early years of of your all's lives. Growing up, obviously, Chris, you couldn't wait to get out of Kentucky to save your life. And obviously, Sarah, growing up in Southern Tennessee, what did that look like? If we can maybe take just a couple minutes and, and talk about what did that transition, maybe for you, Chris, out of Kentucky look like? And Sarah, I mean, where did you take your life from your middle school, high school days, what did those look like for you guys?
3: Oh, well, I was homeschooled. So (laughs) (laughs) totally different (laughs) lifestyle than many.
1: You Um, and Logan both.
3: I was homeschooled (laughs) too. You get it. We're not all crazy. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So I was homeschooled, which is why I spent a lot of time with my sisters. I guess I kind of was like, Christopher, I always wanted to get out. Like all I ever wanted to do was to travel, which I mean, sort of, I wouldn't say odd being from Tennessee, like we didn't travel internationally. I didn't travel internationally until I was in eighth grade and then not again until I was married to. Chris so I mean we didn't travel a lot but that's all I ever wanted to do I don't think it's the same thing as Chris where he's like I've got to get out of here but I think I was just always curious about like what was out there wanting to see the different cultures and just hear smells taste everything around the world like that's all I've ever wanted
1: yeah where did you want to go I mean you obviously left Georgia and I guess you just had that adventure bug and you're like yeah. I want to see the rest the rest of the world
3: yeah. So, I mean, after college, Chris and I moved to Seattle and got married and we, oh, well, yeah, Chris is doing the biking bush right now. We met cycling. <laughs> My first like adventure somewhere new, like across the Mississippi out West was biking across the country. And I absolutely loved it. And that was while I was in college. And then I actually did it the second year, the year after in 2014, that's how I met Chris. So uh-huh. we met cycling across the country. And I guess that's sort of the root of our relationship was adventure and doing new things and being a little uncomfortable. And I guess our relationship's always sort of had that. I don't know. What should I say? How should I say it?
0: We've always had that nomadic
1: yeah, um, for, for adventure. We've yeah. Taste for
3: adventure. You've always wanted, um I don't know if this is answering the question. I feel like I'm very no, off today. You're, you're going. Like, like, no, you're that's
1: that's perfect. You're biking across the US, and that's were you all like next to each other pedaling. You're like, wow, he's cute. <laughs> or was it was like, I got to hear this story.
3: <laughs> well, so we were actually co leaders on this tour. So we would okay. take, oh, cool. Driving a van for every few days, Chris and I would be in the van together driving. Um, so it'd be like grocery shopping and making sure the team was okay, stopping every 20, 30 miles, something like that. So it was a lot of time just like sitting on the side of the road in Montana and doing next to nothing. <laughs> so a lot of conversation early on, but we didn't really get along until like Montana no. or Wisconsin. Well, she
0: she absolutely hated my guts. The, <laughs> the very- <laughs> Saw me but I, I wasn't knew a fan. it was when I put my spandex on that's when she knew <laughs> she's
2: like oh yes yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's when she knew the spandex is what wooed her yeah. <laughs> oh it
3: is totally totally but yeah so that was sort of the early days of our relationship and then after college after bike tour we Got engaged, got married and moved to Seattle all within like three or four months. Like it was sort of a whirlwind. And it's the first time either of us had ever moved out of the Southeast. So it was just a lot of culture shock. And then two months later, we found ourselves in Thailand for a couple of months. And I think it just sort of fueled that like we want to travel. We want to be in new places and meet people. And it's sort of snowballed, I suppose. Even this week, being in Mexico City and buying one-way tickets out of America was just like this huge step that I feel like has been building for years.
1: Wow. Yeah. So I, I can imagine growing out of the you know, Midwest. I mean, obviously we we're coming from Midwest South, you know, being in Kentucky as well. And that's a total different culture, especially being out in Seattle, you know, and then you said two, several months in, in, in Thailand. I mean, that had to have been a very impactful and life shaping event for, for girls. I guess at that point you all were married, correct?
3: We were. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was. I mean our first year of marriage had some crazy ups and downs. Yeah. <laughs> but... Like we,
1: yeah. The entire reason why we
0: moved to Seattle was for a job opportunity. Oh, and okay. we got married. And then two weeks after our wedding, yeah. I got basically let go from, from this job opportunity. And so we were stuck in Seattle with no job oh. and, and uh, newly
3: wed budgets. And newlywed <laughs>
0: budgets. And then we had a friend call us and say, hey, why don't you come to Thailand and help me out for a couple of months? And so we just said, yes, because everything was still in storage. And because of that, we were able to go to Thailand. And we had this really, really low point in our life. And then it was like almost immediately, it was answered with this really high, amazing opportunity. It was amazing to be over there to, to interact with the people because it was not only that we got to hang out in the city or, you know, get to see new places, but we, we got to meet with like, Burma refugees and help and see a different side of travel as well as just like the typical tourist thing.
1: So was it a mission, a type of a trip?
3: So our friends are, I guess they're technically considered missionaries, but they're over this community center in Thailand and they work with the nonprofit that we were biking with across America. So it was a circle there too. So when we were cycling, we were biking for these same refugees. We went over there and visited so they have one center in Chiang Mai, and then they work with refugees along the Thai-Burma border, thai Myanmar border. So it was a mission trip, but I'd say we were only up on the border for, I don't know, a week or a week and a half total of the eight weeks we were there. And the rest of the time was spent in Chiang Mai, hanging out, and then spending some time working in their community center, which was teaching kids English and just sort of like building relationships because Thailand's, what, 98 or 99% Buddhist so they're incredibly welcoming and very kind people, but there's just that it's a different religion, but mm-hmm. so they would want to like get to know you. And so we were just building relationships with people while we were there.
1: That's awesome. So the bug had been itched, right? It's like, I want to travel. We want to travel. You go to Thailand and I would imagine that trip. You're like, this is it. This was a blast. This is what we want to do. What was next? Where, where did y'all go from there?
3: Well, we were over there. We weren't really ready to give up Seattle. We had been dreaming and looking forward to being there. So, you know, when that job loss came through or happened, then we weren't really ready to give up on Seattle. So while we were in Thailand, we decided to go back to Seattle, rent an apartment, and we stayed there for two years.
0: Two years. That's really when we kind of like deep dived into doing freelancing and owning our own business Mm -hmm. and working remotely for several different clients. So we were able to do that while in Seattle and then experience, you know, the specific Northwest, which we love. And then Eventually, it got to the point to where it was what 2014, 15, 16, 18, 18. Oh, yeah, 18, 18 way off. Um, like <laughs> we, um, eventually, it got to the point where we either had to pay a lot more money to stay in the building, or we could do something different. Mm-hmm. And that's when Sarah had the idea of, hey, why don't we move into a van and mm-hmm. not not waste money on this apartment in Seattle.
3: We weren't sure if it was the best idea we ever had or the worst idea. I think it's worked out well, <laughs> okay. So far, it's been good. But yeah, that we love Seattle. So we enjoyed the Northwest for two years and then decided it was time for something different. I feel like all these seasons of our lives have had very clear moments of, okay, time to jump. Like, this is a yeah. time to make that change. And I guess we're glad we've had those pushes without having to wait around. Like, when do we move?
1: Like- exactly. And, and as someone listening, you're probably thinking, well, obviously, these moments seem very clear. It's like, oh. Well, you lost your job well obviously you're going to move and go somewhere to thailand but in those moments they're really really difficult and those are moments that typically as we look back we see the transition we see how everything has played out so wonderfully those moments are really really difficult and i'm sure you know that that moment of like should we do van life can you talk kind of talk about like why why van life what was the reason why that was like the deciding factor
3: yeah, I don't
2: know.
1: I mean, to be honest, like <laughs> people are like, how
3: long did you guys plan? Because we know we talk to people online all the time. Have been planning their vans for years, mm-hmm. and I think from the moment I found out about van life on Instagram through somebody else I followed. To the time we purchased our van was what, two or three months? And then we were converting it a few weeks later. I don't know. I feel like we have been waiting. We've been saving money, like wedding money because we eloped instead of having a wedding. We had saved all this money and we knew that we wanted to do something. We didn't know if it was going to be an Airstream or what it was going to be, but we wanted to see the country.
0: That, and we gave ourselves an out and said, okay, we are going to spend our entire year's budget on what we would spend in the apartment on this van and we have to live in this for a year. And if if we hate it by the end of that, then get rid of the van. And if it's miserable, you know, we'll just park in our parents' driveway and just <laughs> live out of this van for you know six months or whatever until, until
1: we're done with it. And so we always kind of gave ourselves an out, but it seemed very tangible. We all know, right? We live in a, in a digital world. We live in a content-driven world, right? But we also don't want to undermine the fact that there's probably many, many people out there that are living nomadically or living in their van and maybe just not telling the world, right? It's just Mm -hmm. like, they're just doing it. So we're curious, what made you all say, you know what we should do? We should share our journey through social media, through YouTube.
3: Oh my gosh. I did not want to do that at first. We bought the van, built the van, and we're in the van for a month before we even created an Instagram account. And then we were in the van for what, four months before we ever posted a single video to YouTube. But The Instagram was first and we posted just wanting to share with our friends and family of like, look guys, we actually built a van and (laughs) we're having fun out here. We're not insane. And that was sort of the heart behind the Instagram, but it took off almost immediately. And we had, I think 5,000 followers, I think like a month or something crazy. It was crazy growth. Yeah. And then we ended up being encouraged like, okay, well, let's do a YouTube. I'm so introverted. It's not my thing to do vlogging. Like Chris has followed Casey Neistat since 20, whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah, Forever he's watched vloggers and that kind of thing. And finally he convinced me to record a video and it was our van tour. Well, hang on.
0: We, we have to, we have to backtrack and give credit where credit's due. Oh yeah. There, there's this couple and they're an older RV couple or they're they're in a camper. And Mm -hmm. we were camping at Walt Disney world in January. And this is before we started YouTube and they rolled up in their golf cart and (laughs) they had a GoPro and their dog with them. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm just filming for my YouTube channel. And they're the sweetest people and they're just filming their dog and their adventures around the country. And then after they left, I looked at Sarah, I said, if they have a YouTube channel, we <laughs> have a YouTube. We
3: could channel. do that.
0: Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> the next
3: day, we filmed our van tour, and they're still friends of ours. They have yeah. thousands of followers on YouTube and stuff. Like yeah. they're the sweetest couple. So they got us on YouTube. But I think we've stuck with it just because we love meeting people. I know it mm-hmm. sounds kind of cheesy, but we really love the, the connections we've made through social media, and that's really encouraged us to keep sharing. Because I mean, obviously, there's good and there's bad, and there's stress and comparison when it comes to social media. But we have met so many incredible people, both in real life and virtually, just from posting, which Hmm. is kind of crazy. blows our minds.
1: Wow. So let's talk about the early days on social media, on YouTube. I can imagine you all produced banger videos, right? Those first couple (laughs) were like (laughs) super good.
3: No, no. <laughs> I mean, I oh, man. it makes my eye twitch thinking about it.
1: I mean, so
0: our first video was kind of a banger video like that we put <laughs> out there. I will say that we put graphics on it because, you know, that's what we do for our fr- freelance clients. Yeah. We'll make videos and all that. And I'm like, oh, we'll, we'll just kind of make it a little special. And that one went viral without are intending it. And like, we weren't expecting that. And so the very next video that we put out was like filmed on our iPhone in the Mm -hmm. van. Like we were just driving around. It was really low key. I can't even watch those videos now
3: because (laughs) we're just,
0: we're just kind of driving. We're like, welcome to our, we're going to talk about van questions and then, you know, just go on. And with our first video going viral, I think right now it's sitting at like 5 million views. We got shoved into this van life, like niche, and it didn't really allow us to have discernment or really know what we wanted to be on YouTube. And so a lot of those videos, we were just trying to figure out what we wanted to make.
3: Yeah. And I think a lot of people, a lot of like YouTube creators and YouTube advice kind of people that you see online, like they're telling you, like, make sure you have your brand identified. And like, they're always giving advice, like know who you are, but at the same time, I don't think I would have ever made that first video if we had to have everything figured out. Like at some point you just have to start you just have to start making a video. And I'm so glad that even though we didn't want to be stuck in the van bubble forever, and we love van life, but people only wanted van videos from us for the longest time. And even though that was kind of annoying, we posted that first video and it's given us so many opportunities and we started it. Yeah.
0: Well, and we were able to help out so many people because there were genuine questions of like, Where do you use the restroom? How do you do 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 laundry? Like, where do you camp? Or how do you get water? But some people just didn't understand like laundry mats or that you could go and wash your clothes. And so we were genuinely able to help a lot. I feel
1: like a lot of people and figure out a different type of lifestyle. Yeah. To be honest, stumbled across your channel because of that video. We had been watching some of our favorite van lifers over the years. Obviously, Eamon and Beck, we had consistently watched them and were obsessed with their van life experience. And then that kind of got us into this whole idea of that would be pretty cool. And they started searching for other van life couples. And that's where we stumbled across your old's video. And and so, and obviously I don't want to skip to where maybe we are at today. There's a lot that we would like to unpack getting up to today, but even though maybe you all weren't super centric on that's exactly what we want to do forever is, is be van lifers. We looked a couple of days ago, it was like 5.3 million people had watched that video and they're now introduced to Chris and Sarah and, in whatever <laughs> capacity they want to. Of course, they're probably got there because of van life, but here's an opportunity now for, for you to influence them in whatever capacity that you will see as beneficial, and I think that is such a powerful, powerful thing. And so,
3: question: Would you ever live in a van?
1: Um, mm. Funny you say that, because we potentially might. Maybe if you will start a podcast and have us on as guests, we can maybe unpack that. But
3: yes. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, this sounds like a whole another conversation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we've definitely entertained that. We've been in this space watching videos. I mean, for years now, and so that's obviously part of our journey. As we saw people on social media, pursuing presumably what made them happy, like what they actually wanted to do with their lives. And that's why we're here today. That's why Passion passionate brand started is, is we were significantly impacted ourselves. And so because of that impact and where we stand now, we also want to bring that back to the community and say, guys, if you're in that same space, there's opportunity for you to truly pursue that passion and, and feel really fulfilled through it. And so I'm super excited to see the impact that maybe this conversation has in the future. Mm -hmm. But going back to that 5.3 million view video with your conversion, I think it was super beautiful. And what you all had done with that was really, really thrilling. Now, talking about the van life, getting into that, your videos early on with your iPhone, you, you had to start somewhere. Right. And and that's yeah. super commendable that you did. Cause a lot of people don't like, they're just like, we're going to make this thing. Perfect. Talk to us about that journey. I mean, what, how did you start seeing the growth of, of that account? And not just from a person standpoint, a follower standpoint, but even just from like a producing the content standpoint.
3: I think throughout the journey, like we've we've learned better how we want to tell stories and what we want to focus on in those stories. And we still fall short in those videos sometimes, but I think we went from, we need to be travel guides on YouTube and we need to show people all these places that we're going in our van to, let's make it more about the experience. Let's make it more about whether it's the people or what makes this place special, like how have we been impacted by the places that we're visiting. So I think we've really been trying to focus on the heart behind it. And I guess telling a story with our videos. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think we did start out saying we want people to watch our videos and feel that they could, or that they would want to grab a cup of coffee with us. Like Hmm. we just want friends. Our very first video, we fine-tuned that thing so, so much. Like we cut out all the ums and all the stutterings. And then as we kind of progressed, we realized we need to leave some of that like imperfectness in there. Because people really just want to be connected to other people. That's what we believe anyway. And so if I look too perfect, which, you know, if you look at me, you're like, yeah, you are the perfect human (laughs) specimen, Chris. If I look too perfect online, I don't feel like you're going to connect with me, you know? And so we, that's kind of where we're at right now is trying to be as authentic as we can without being as boring as, you know, real life can be sometimes.
3: Yeah. Our favorite comments that we get online, and I think we've gotten it twice today is, you know, people are home with autoimmune diseases or they just got laid off from their job and they don't really know what to do with their life. They tell us all the time, like, oh, we turn you guys on. You guys have been my friends through, you know, the pandemic Mm -hmm. or while I've been home sick with cancer or whatever it is. And those are our favorite comments. Like while we wish they could be out there having the same adventures we're having, we know that it's not possible for everybody in this season. So if they can travel with us or if they can feel like they have a friend and they feel comfortable to reach out to us, we love that. That's our favorite way of connecting with people. And we want to make people feel like, they can do it too. Yeah.
0: And it's funny. We'll even post a photo of our dog Kramer. Like Sarah posted this the other day. It's like, Hey, if you're going through life right now, just know Kramer loves you. And we had somebody reach out and they're like, you don't know how much I needed to hear that today. And we're like, what happened that my dog needed to like cheer you up? But it's these little moments that it just creates connection that means a lot to people. So it means a lot to us.
3: And I know the word authenticity is so heavily used these days, but I feel like the more real we can be on camera and talking to people through messages, I feel like the more successful our channels become for whatever reason, it's never our most clicky videos that do the best. It's always these videos that for some reason, people resonate with having a friend on the other side of the screen. And I think we're trying to better lean into that, if that makes sense.
1: No, totally. And so Going back to Kramer, I don't know how you can't be inspired and just uplifted by seeing him.
3: He's so cute.
2: Such
1: a sweetie.
3: (laughs) He's a mess. He's laying on my feet right now as we're talking. (laughs) (laughs) The part we never really talked about with Kramer is that he is like this conversation starter wherever Mm -hmm. we go. Like It breaks down that barrier and it's an instant conversation piece where people feel comfortable walking up to talk to us because of our dog. I, I mean, I just sat down in the park the other day. And Kramer hopped up on the bench next to me. And this other guy, this elderly Latino man, he just sat down next to me. I didn't speak Spanish. He didn't speak English, but we were like enjoying loving on Kramer. He was so sweet. It's no. just like this sort of conversation starter. And there's moments like that all the time that I just kind of breaks that barrier with people. It's kind of fun. Yeah.
1: Which is great. Cause obviously that's what you all want, building that community, both digitally and physically. I mean, what an, a great opportunity for someone just to say something to you because of how adorable Kramer is, but don't be fooled by his haircut. Like he is a fierce beast. <laughs> Everyone beware. If you're listening and you come in contact right. with Kramer, <laughs> you've <laughs> been, you've been warned. That's so right. we're, we're curious. Of course, we, we stumbled across you all when your brand was, let's be us. You know, and obviously you've made the switch to to Chris and Sarah. Do you mind maybe unpacking that a bit? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: one of the main reasons was there's a TV show called This Is Us. And so everybody (laughs) kept calling us This Is Us. And And we're like, no, it's like, let's be us. And it kind of comes back to that coffee statement of we realized that for us, when we're watching creators online, I know them by their brand name, but I really don't know them by their first names. And it was kind of bothering us. And I'm like, I bet nobody knows that were Chris and Sarah, but they know it is, let's be us, you know, and, and,
3: which is okay, but we created let's be us. Cause we didn't want it to be like, it was about our adventures and we knew that, but we wanted it to be something that's like, inviting. this is just who we are. We wanted to invite people in and not make it to be like the Chris and Sarah show. Cause that was yeah. never our intent. And then as selfish as it is from a business or a brand point of view, Maybe selfish isn't the right word, but we started realizing that the common thread and why people were following us was because of us. And we also hadn't made that personal connection of we're Chris and Sarah. And so we decided to take that step almost a year ago. Yeah, it's been almost a year. And we changed our brand name just to Chris and Sarah because- while we didn't want it to be just about Chris and Sarah, people also didn't even know who we were. And they were building this relationship with somebody they didn't even know the names of. So that was the big reason for
0: change. And And we did like a clickbaity title, like this is the end of Let's Be Us, blah, blah, blah. I think now it's almost like a sigh of relief for us now that it's just kind of us.
3: Yeah, people always thought we were a family channel too. With us, they thought that the us meant we had kids, but it's just a dog. (laughs) There's a lot of reasons why it was confusing, but I think from like a business standpoint, for anybody who's looking to create and start sharing online, just keep it simple, I guess. Make it be about who you are or make it your name, you know? Yeah. So people can find you. People couldn't find us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, you want someone to connect with a person, right? You want, someone to reach out to you and connect with you as opposed to I'm just this big brand and talk to my secretary when you email me. You, right, want, yeah. you feel very personal. So that's good. Yeah.
0: Well, and if you look at like marketing strategies from these big companies, they're looking for people uh, and True. that's why they're hiring yeah. micro influencers because they realize that these people, even though their audience may not be very big, that they're still connecting with other people and
1: trust. It comes down to like building trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where's the brand out at now, and, and like, what do you all want to do with the brand going forward?
3: We'd love to know. Age <laughs> <It's like, laughs> old question of like, who are we? Um, last year, when we were home. We were converting our second dance. So this was a year ago. We were finishing up that second man, and honestly, with COVID and everything else that was happening, like our numbers were awful. So, what were we going to lose by changing our name if people couldn't find us? Like, it was already confusing enough. So, we just decided to take that plunge, and we knew that that was our chance to kind of. I don't want to say reinvent ourselves, but sort of, you know, rebrand ourselves. We were hoping to do it before we launched on the road in that thing, because we knew that being back in the van was going to gather a little bit of attention online again.
0: We've always kind of had this relationship of, okay, what's the worst that could happen? And just say, yes, we do try to do calculated risk, but we don't want to be hung up on the what ifs. Like what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't perform as much as we want to? And so when we sold our first van, that was a big what if of, like, what if this doesn't work? What if we, we still wanted to do van life, and that's why we went ahead and bought the second van right immediately after we sold our first one. But then when COVID hit, we at that time we didn't know if we could travel. We were hunkered down in Savannah for several weeks because we didn't know where we could go, and that's when we decided to buy a home in Chattanooga. And I remember we kept talking about like, what if like we were buying this home in Chattanooga and now all of a sudden we're not going to be van lifers. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we just thought that was sort of the end. Like nobody cares about us anymore. Like if we do this, but it's that-
3: worked out. I mean, there's always like Chris just said, there's risk and reward. And I feel like I don't want to say we're good at taking risks because we see people who take way bigger risks than us all the time online, but we've learned that Our greatest rewards have come from risk, and kind of like we talked about earlier, in those seasons where it was really clear we had to move. It also was met with a lot of fear and a lot of uncertainty. But does that make sense of where I'm going? Yeah, yeah, totally.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, that was
3: that was sort of the push of okay, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do it. And during that, honestly, COVID was awful. It was no fun for anybody, but it gave us a lot of time at home to think, and we were able to better articulate where we want our brand to go in the future. And I think that's ultimately we love traveling. Like that's mm-hmm. what we want to do with our lives, regardless of whether or not we have a YouTube channel or Instagram or whatever we're on. But aside from that, we don't want it to be just people watching Chris and Sarah having fun. Like we really want to make sure that we include people in that, whether it's yeah. inviting people to travel with us, which we are going to be doing this year or, you know, meeting other people and inviting them to join us in our videos, which we've had friends be in our videos and stuff. And I think that's where sort of the future of what we want is yeah. Travel is always going to be a big part of our channel, But we want people to be interested enough in the stories that we're telling they'll follow along that if we are home again for a season, that they're there to meet whatever people to cross our paths in that season too.
1: Even with that question that I asked, there's even some hesitancy, right? I mean, we all know this as we build out our own brands. We have this idea that we're building out this brand and that we can't adjust. And that even the question of like, where are you headed next? It kind of has this underlying tone to it that you have to know and you have to articulate to your audience and community so that they can know. And sometimes we don't, right? Sometimes we don't know. And I think that's the cool thing about what you all have done with changing it from Let's Be Us to Chris and Sarah. That has this connotation that it's like, hey guys, we're Chris and Sarah and we don't know, right? We don't, we don't know everything like, and we we don't need to know everything, but if you like our journey, like what we're doing, you see the risk that we took moving out to Seattle. You see the risk we took moving out to to Thailand, back to Seattle, to converting a rent. If you like that, we'd love to have you. And I think that's such a cool thing. Following your old journey, it's a journey. And that's what makes it fun. Like if you all had everything put together, then it would probably be boring. I want to speak a little bit into this. Obviously, when we're helping inspire people to take these passions to brand, part of that obviously comes into play with monetizing the platform and and making money through these different channels. At the end of the day, it's easy to say you can take your passion to brand, but if you're not making money through it, it's hard to conceptualize the brand. So if you can, obviously we'd like to encourage our our listeners to think outside the box in ways that they can monetize these platforms. If you can share, what have you all done through your journey of monetizing your platforms? And maybe what do you think are effective ways to do that today? Mm -hmm.
3: Oh, man. So I feel like we could give the basic answer that everybody gives as far as, you know, Google AdSense on YouTube videos and affiliate marketing brand endorsements. But I think our biggest piece of advice that we could give people, because it's worked for us, it's been find products that you really believe in. And then sometimes those organically reach out to you on their own because they see you using their product or sometimes it means approaching them. So for us, we only take products that we can believe in or that we would buy ourselves. So like we believe in what they're about ethically and are they sustainable from a social impact or environmental impact or whatever that is? And is it something that we'd actually buy with our own money? And then I think our genuine appreciation for those products is how we've gotten some really good brand deals. And I think if we give anybody a business piece of advice when it comes to monetizing your platform, yes, affiliate marketing is great and AdSense is awesome. We've got, we get some months better than others. It's a little unpredictable, but when you get a brand deal, it's going to be, more than that typically. So
0: build very authentic relationships with companies. If we're strictly talking about social media and platforms, you have to start looking at yourself as almost a a marketing agency. Like you have this audience and you have this platform that they're paying you to be a part of. And like Sarah said, you seek out authentic brands that would seem natural. And I know Sarah hit on it, but affiliate marketing is something I don't feel like I hear a a lot of creators doing that. You can get affiliate marketing for a lot of different brands. In fact, one of our biggest money makers is an affiliate program for a course. And we took the course. We believe in this course. We would not sell it if we didn't believe it. But because of that, we earn a commission when somebody purchases it. And you don't know what you're going to make at the end of the month. It's not as reliable, but it's still just kind of extra money coming in. I try to look at it as having five different buckets. Like you're never going to make all your money from brand deals and you're never going to make all your money from affiliate marketing or you're never going to make all your money from clients. But if you're pulling
1: money from all of these different things, then you can make a living. That's a good diversification plan too, because at the end of the day, a client could fire you, right? Or you may not get a bunch of people clicking on on these links in a certain month. And so if you have those five buckets, you can maybe lean on four of them heavier one month and three of them heavier the other month. It's a good way to, to diversify that income. So that's good, Chris.
3: For sure. Yeah. And I think it's important to note, like, I know this is sort of about monetizing like a brand. People want to start a business to monetize like whatever it is that they're passionate about. But I think a lot of people don't talk about the hustle it takes to get there. Chris is we're still working his full-time job. Like I'm full-time with our stuff now, you know, planning the travels and answering comments and whatever that looks like. But Chris is still 80% of our income every year. And We do that more so we can afford to keep going and traveling because our stuff is not paying for it. So I think Mm -hmm. know where you want to make money and how to make money off your brand, but also being okay working to fill in the gaps until you get there is really important because we don't see a lot of creators, especially in like the travel industry where we're at talking about how they got there. They just suddenly had this money to travel the world. And like, where did you get that? How did you make that happen? Like, we don't want to leave any questions out there. Like,
0: and. When you're building a brand, I would say don't sell anything to your audience for at least a year. You you need to build that trust with people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't want to take the time to build the trust. They just see the dollar signs or maybe, you know, it's paycheck to paycheck. And they just really want to be full time because they love what they do, but they don't know how to, to make it unless they start selling now. And if you don't have trust, no one's ever going to buy from you. Yeah. That's good.
3: I, I think don't take every partnership deals sort of important. Yeah. We do see people sort of sabotage themselves because they take every deal and it's like, oh, they must take everything because they've sold five different solar panels this month or something. Yeah, so true. I don't know if that makes sense. Not that we figured it all out, but we're still figuring it out as we go. We've definitely made mistakes, but that's, I guess, our our input.
1: <laughs> so you're saying that I shouldn't reach out to the hundred people that reached out to me saying that they'll give me free jewelry for 30% cash. <laughs> <laughs> well, you yes. could. And you know, <laughs> I like that community driven understand the value of your community. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about anyways. I mean, let's make some money providing good value to the people that are following you. If it's something that you think that your followers would enjoy and they would value, then certainly advertise it. It's great. Just like that course that you mentioned, Chris. It's like, definitely don't shy away from advertising, but advertise it effectively and and have a community in mind. I think the, the last thing that we're, we're curious about, and if you can kind of shed some light, you i have been in this journey for years. And I think you have advice and opinion that I think a lot of people would value in terms of you've been in the space, been in YouTube, been on Instagram, been on different social media platforms, changed your brand, been all over the country, traveled a lot of the parts of the world. If you were starting a new brand today, if you're starting at pursuing your passion today, what's a bit, bit of, of advice that you can give um, to someone that's maybe listening today?
3: You may need to give me a second on this. I know the word authenticity is or authentic, is so well, overused, but I feel like that's the most important is building a relationship with your audience
0: that and I think finding something that you truly love and you Mm -hmm. want to do like there's a dangerous line though like you could have a passion for something maybe you love fishing and you're like I want to go into the fishing business I want to make fishing rods or whatever and then you start doing it and you realize you hate it you still love fishing but you hate you're making it a job. If you're trying to be passionate about your brand, you better be sure that you absolutely love it because if you don't love it, you're not going to last. Mm. But
3: I think it's important to not be afraid to pivot. There's a lot of risk that comes True. with that. But yeah. I mean, honestly, as much as we love van life, like I could not make one more video about how to empty a toilet. Like I just couldn't. <laughs> do it if I had to keep doing that, I was going to lose it. But mm. since we made that really intentional pivot and it was really scary. I'm really glad we did it. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, find something you love, but don't let your content dictate your life either. You only have one life. So like do what you want to do with it and don't worry too much about what your audience cares about. Like, yes, give them the information and give them substance. But we have a lot of people who just show up. I mean, I'd say we have 5,000 people who would watch whatever video we've posted now mm-hmm. just because they're invested in where Chris and Sarah are going.
0: And, and your audience can tell if you love it or if it's just a money thing. And mm-hmm. you know, like you don't want to get to that
1: point. Like you want to be passionate and love what you do. Yeah, Exactly. And that's why we were pretty particular on the name passion to brand as opposed to brand to passion, right? At the (laughs) end of the day, your passion drives you in this life. Your passion and your purpose is what matters, you know, and your passion can change. Like that's the cool thing is like your passions can change and evolve over time, but stay centered to that passion. Don't let the brand that maybe has been formed Dictate where you need to go, where you ought to go. Stay true to that passion. Stay true to who you are, and allow that to to guide you.
2: And I think going back to what you were talking about, working and then doing this on the side. Not all people do this full time, and I think that's what a big thing I've realized is I can still have my full time job that helps me do the things that I want to do and that I'm passionate about. But if you're not passionate about it at the end of the workday, you're not gonna. want to sit down and work on it.
1: Yeah. So I think that's
2: super, super important to love what you're doing and what you're trying to reach people with. That's good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well guys, I mean, yeah, we, we covered a lot today and and of course, (laughs) super, super stoked that you all spent some time with us and we were able to connect. We have certainly enjoyed falling girls journey for the past several years. And if I could say anything to our audience, it's follow along with Chris and Sarah. You all are super authentic. You all do such a phenomenal job with your content in terms of not just producing good content, but authentic content and showing your adventures in in a way that is inspiring and encouraging. So definitely go give them a follow. What's the best way for people to to follow along? Um, Yeah, you can go to our YouTube channel. If you type in Chris and Sarah,
3: Sarah No H. Sarah No H. We
0: <laughs> should be the first people to pop up. There may be another wedding video or two from somebody, else, some other couple. Don't follow them. Just follow.
1: <laughs> You'll be disappointed. <laughs> that's well, that's awesome, guys. Like I said, we we do very much appreciate uh, the opportunity to speak with you guys and the time you have given. Give them a follow. Looking forward to see where you all head next. Yeah, yeah. Thank
2: you so much for having us. This was fun. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, feel free to leave a review or comment letting us know what you enjoyed most. Be sure to click that follow button to not miss out on a new inspiring story each week. For more inspiration, feel free to follow us on Instagram at passion or check out our blog at PassionToBrand.com. Until next time.
1: Peace.